2: There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club, you know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember.
0: Welcome, everyone, to the 602 Club Trek FM's General Geek Show. I'm just really excited to be here tonight because uh, we're going to talk a little bit more Star Wars. Uh, then we'll have a lull, and then a Star Wars will come back because we, we have a little film you may have heard of it coming out called the last jedi and i'm so excited tonight because uh we have somebody new to the show and um he's coming all the way from the east coast uh and and, and is it captain
2: it is you you have it correct
0: yes we actually have a captain with us so uh captain thomas Harbor.
2: Of the the, know,
0: yeah, it's so great to have you here. And, uh, you know, what's great is we met at Dragon Con, and we're finally getting a chance to do a podcast together.
2: This is excellent. I'm very excited. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah,
0: yeah. me too. And I thought, you know, what a great book to have you come in on, Leia, talking about, you know, uh, formation of the Rebellion, and, you know, uh, the Rebellion in general, and rebels, and, I mean, the fact that, you know, you're a JAG officer, uh, and hosted the military and politics panel at Dragon Con I was like this is probably the guy to pull on this this book
2: well, Matt, I'll be honest with you. I was a little disappointed that you didn't ask me to come on and talk the little golden books of Star Wars. But, you know, this was, I guess, an OK. Well, second I, option.
0: I, you know, you, you took the words out of my mouth, but I was actually thinking that maybe we would cover Chewie and the Porgs together because that's got to be canon,
2: right? I had better be at the top of the list to discuss that one. There are many deep things. <laughs> the military is important and <laughs> all, but Porgs take precedence.
0: Oh gosh. Well, um if if you want um out there on the uh the Twitter I have released my holiday carol that you will find <laughs> that I wrote my life day carol for everyone and just enjoy. The first line is Porgs are roasting on an open fire. So, there you go. You can go check that out. Uh and with us Porg lover extraordinaire, Christy Morris.
1: Save the porgs. I
0: think you better be talking to Chewy because I keep seeing pictures where he's got like feathers on his, you know, mouth.
2: Like he's been chewing down.
1: But then how are they gonna have a band together called Chewy and the Porgs later? That's what everyone's saying.
2: They don't all have to live to make that happen.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Stab me in the heart. (laughs)
0: oh gosh but I'm I'm so excited to get to talk to to you guys about Leia tonight and uh, before we dive in just a reminder to everyone that you can find us all over the place uh, we're on iTunes at itunes.com FM. all of the different Trek FM shows there we have so many of them we're we love being there uh, and while you're there hit us up with a you know a star rating review help help other people find the show uh, by your reviews um, you can also find us on Twitter at Trek FM Facebook at facebook.com slash TrekFM. We do have our listeners only discussion group that is on Facebook. And that is under the Babel conference. So you type Babel into the search field there on Facebook. Or if you're on the website at Trek.fm, you can hit discussion on any of the menu bars. And that'll bring you over there. And uh, you know, last but not least, one of the great places uh, to contact us is at Trek.fm slash contact. If you choose a show and you choose the 602 Club, you can write an email and that'll come to me and any of the hosts that are on that week. And so we'd love to hear your thoughts about Leia or anything else that we talk about on the show. So I wanted to dive in uh, right away, but then I realized that we have something pretty special that's happened here, which is that this is actually Christy's very first Star Wars book to read. And so Christy, because of that, I really wanted to ask you, what your experience was like finally getting a chance to read a Star Wars book and, and what you thought of it as your first one and did it live up to the hype that we've all been giving these things as you come to Dragon Hawn and you hear us talking about this stuff? Uh, yeah, what were your thoughts?
1: Yeah, it, um, honestly, was a, a big deal because I've heard about them for a long time and obviously knew they were out there but didn't get into Star Wars books until later in my life. Um, of course, I've seen all the films, but... Um, So this was my first one ever, um, and I really was impressed. I really didn't have much that bothered me at all negatively about the book. Um, I think that overall I felt Claudia Gray was an incredible storyteller and really sucked me into the action of what was going on, and I loved getting the perspective not only of the untold story of how Leia got into the rebellion, but also getting to see for the first time a real relationship between her and her family.
0: Mm, yeah, so it's kind of like you know, it's like a tractor being sucked yeah. you right in. Oh so yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome <laughs> though, and I'm so glad that that was your experience. You know, um, it's it's always so fun when when people kind of find another level of Star Wars. Um, in fact, my wife and I this weekend we uh, met somebody at church who actually ended up living across the street like literally lives across the street from us Mm -hmm. Uh, and she's a huge nerd and a Star Wars fan and um, we actually gave her Lost Stars to read so uh, we're excited to see if she likes it and wants to continue in that because you know Star Wars is awesome um, but it's not just the films it's obviously you know the books and the comics and the animation there's so many great stories that are happening and I I agree with you um, Christy I think you did get a chance to start on a good book. Um, We'll spoil it right here. It's a good book. Um, (laughs) And uh, I think that, um, you know, Claudia Gray really is a good author. And so um, the fact that you got to start with her is fantastic. So um, this one is really interesting and a lot like the Phasma book. Um, Thomas, have you read Phasma yet?
2: No, I am uh, knee deep in it right now. So, you know, you can spoil away and tell me to earmuff it.
0: Yeah, no, well, I was uh, the only thing I was going to say about that one, and I think you probably already have figured this out if you're kind of in the middle of it, is that it's very much a character study. Um, and I felt like this book for, you know, Leia is kind of that princess to rebel, you know, and it really is kind of her journey of becoming involved in the rebellion. And uh, so I just wanted to ask you guys first, you know, most importantly when you're writing star wars books is to capture the voice of the character and obviously the earliest we've seen leia is in rebels Uh, and so i wanted to just kind of ask you guys generally what did you think about the way that claudia gray characterizes leia at this time period did you like it did you think it
2: fit Christy, I'm interested to hear you because you, this is your first entry into this sort of book universe. And so you, you're coming in with a fresh set of eyes. What do you think?
1: Sure. I, I really felt like it fit with everything that I've seen from Leia so far. And I've always kind of been a cartooning Leia fangirl anyway um but it you know she has that characteristic that Claudia still gave her that she doesn't give up easily or she really doesn't give up ever and I really love that they highlight through things that Leia says in the book as well as how Keir speaks to her that she's willing to give her life for anyone and he's like what's going to happen though if you're planet is left without a ruler because you gave your life for somebody else and she's like that's something that might happen because i'd always be willing to do that um so i i was really impressed with the way that she portrayed leia and her strength even at such a young age um i'm interested to hear if you felt the same or had some other things i may not have noticed
2: yeah i mean i i would say the thing that stood out to me because i had reread bloodline right before dragon con and uh more so for trivia purposes I, i'll admit not <laughs> cuz claudia had a new book coming out but they meshed together really really well i i thought and i said uh went on record before dragon con that uh i don't think anybody has written and captured leia's voice quite like she has i think that's a, a for, for those that have not read bloodline including you i think that's a that should be your next book um but it it just meshes so well with the movies and you see it's not the same Leia. So you don't, you know, in Bloodline, you don't see the same Leia that you see in the original trilogy. And she's able to, to kind of turn the prism a little bit more, which I think was a huge challenge and, and show us a side of her uh, that we hadn't seen before. And and I, I'll be honest. I wasn't expecting that. I, I cracked the book expecting to see, more of the same, basically a younger version of what we saw in A New Hope. And instead we saw, you know, basically somebody who's still a child, who's still fighting with a lot of the, uh, you know, tendencies, the, the, you know, growing pains that are all amplified by the fact that she's this, you know, princess and she's got all these, uh, these weights on her that she doesn't quite understand
1: yet. Yeah, and I like that she did have those moments of still kind of immaturity, like like you kind of mentioned, where it says she wanted to pout but decided it was probably not the adult thing to do in that situation.
2: It's like fighting with her nanny droid, two v. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I
0: think you know that's something that was really nice is to kind of see the humanization of Leia. You know. Um, Because my wife and I just, we, last week, I I was midweek or something like that. I was like, hey, you want to watch a Star Wars movie? And she's like, yeah. Uh, I said, well, you pick. And she picked episode three. So we watched episode three. We watched Rogue One. We watched episode four. And we watched episode five. And it's been interesting to kind of watch that progression, especially in light of the Leia book. And what was so interesting, too, was seeing how Leia... Leia kind of comes off as such a BA that there's just, there's almost sometimes not enough humanness to her and any of the characters really when like really big things happen to them. Like, you know, I realized at the end of uh, uh, episode four uh, when they're all celebrating the Death Star, that's great. But like everybody died except for Luke and Han and like one other Y-Wing pilot, you know? Um, You know, his best friend Biggs is dead. You know, her planet's been destroyed. Like, all these things happen to these people and they never really have time to deal with them. And that's one of the things that I love about the literature is it gives us that opportunity. And here I, I thought, you know, seeing Leia in those formative years, how she'll kind of become the person that can handle that. I thought was really fantastic, um, you know, because we get the opportunity to watch her kind of morph into somebody who will be somebody that can watch her play that get destroyed and still move forward. Um, but it starts here, and it and she's kind of this kind of, you know, she's a teenager, and she kind of acts like one, which is good, you know, like, because otherwise she doesn't have an arc to get to in this book. And so I really like what you said, Thomas, you kind of expected it to be just more of the same, just she's a younger character. But what we really got was somebody who could grow into the character we know.
2: There was a really poignant line in there that, uh, that stuck out to me that as long as she had something to occupy herself, she was able to carry on and move forward. So she's dealing with a tremendous amount of tragedy uh you know and risk that that i don't think many of us can really appreciate and in in moments of calm where there's nothing going on where her parents are seemingly ignoring her where she's having to figure out things sort of on an island um it starts to add up you know there's this vulnerability that you don't see and and i think it it impacts the way you watch the movies now You, you see this this character who is carrying forward that same trait. I mean, you know, Alderaan gets destroyed and she occupies herself with the task at hand, which is destroying the Death Star. Um, you know, they move on and, and get flushed out of the base. She occupies herself with, you know, shepherding the Alliance on to, to Echo Base and, and bigger goals. So, uh, you know, she's able to really expertly weave these little things in there that I think really amplify the character.
0: What did you uh, guys think about the relationship between uh, her parents and her? Because, you know, I I think you called it out earlier, Christy, that this is one of the highlights of the book, and I have to heartily agree with that because getting to know Bale and Brea was just phenomenal. Like, that they're actual people now to us. Um, And that, like, I don't know, there's just something about seeing that relationship... And the way that it's a little bit different than I think maybe you would have thought going in, there were some surprises along the way for me. So what did you guys think about that?
1: I definitely agree with the surprises along the way, um, honestly, for the point that it it would seem at times where you totally side with Leia thinking that her parents are kind of abandoning her to plan elaborate parties or go off to more work meetings and that they just don't really care about what's going on with her but in actuality they keep you know Claudia keeps writing in that they're coming back to her and saying no everything that we're doing affects you and you're at the center of all the things that we're planning it's not the other way around and so I like that she constantly reminds you of that and reminds Leia that no, like we're we're we chose to adopt you for a reason and we love you and you know, you're sort of the the epicenter, like I said, of everything going on. And then I love that moment too when Bale finally realizes that he can't protect Leia from what's coming and that they have to bring her in and get her involved because She's not going to be innocent either way.
2: She's lucky she didn't get space grounded. I'll say that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, she kind of did when he says they're going to choose her <laughs> missions for her. That's true. Did that feel very like military? That you are space <laughs>
0: grounded. Now go to your opulently pressed room. Go to your
2: pod. <laughs> You'll only wear five different shades of velvet now. And your only approved destination is the kitchen. <laughs> to eat your meals and then you go back to your opulent bedroom. No, I think um I I I agree with you, Christy. I I really, really enjoyed, particularly Brea, because, you know, we get a a pretty decent taste of Bale in uh you know some of the other materials, even if it in the films, even if it's just little bits here and there. But uh, I really loved seeing their interactions. I mean I, you know, it was one of the best scenes in the entire book for a number of reasons was his dinner party at the end where Tarkin sort of invites himself and just shows up on Aldera at the palace. And they have this incredible, incredible scene. I was like, I read it probably three or four times before I finally moved on. Um, but, you know, Brea sort of invents, you know, maybe with a little bit of, of truth in there as to some stuff, this, uh, you know, fabricated story that Bale is, uh, you know, cheating on her with, on Mothman and running around the galaxy with these females and whatnot all to throw tarkin off the scent of what they're really there for and you know not only do you see the depth of their relationship and and you know sort of the the you know connection that they have the intelligence level that they're wielding but uh I, you know i don't know I, I thought it encapsulated a lot about what we were able to see um i particularly like the fact that even after all of this so you, you talked about Christy, this. Christy You know, Bale sort of coming to terms with having to bring Leia in after all of that toward the end of the book, he's still still trying to cling to this notion that he can keep her on the sidelines and protected. And it just it brings that destruction of Alderaan into such sharper focus. You just you know, you watch that scene again and it just hits you.
0: Well, one of the things that I really liked about uh, watching her parents and getting to really know them more was I I really loved the way that Claudia Gray uh, wrote Bale. And, um, you know, she used Brea to explain to Leia why he feels like this. And it's because of everything that he went through with the Clone Wars. And he saw how awful that was and what happened to people. And he didn't want his daughter to be a part of that. He'd already seen an intergalactic war once. The last thing he wanted was his daughter to have any part of another one. And I, I really bought that. You know, I, I bought the idea that he would basically delude himself into thinking that he could keep his daughter out of it because he wanted that so much. You know, we many times will buy lies because we just want to believe them so much, mm-hmm. especially when we feel like they might be there to protect someone we care about. And, and I loved that, really, it had nothing to do with the fact that he doesn't trust Leia. He, it's just because he loves her so much. And, you know, um, it was kind of neat to learn that they had adopted Leia because Brea had had to have surgery, to replace uh, her heart and her lungs, and that's what's keeping her alive. And and they chose for her not to have children so that you know um, that might not cost her her life, and it affords them the the beauty of you know um, adopting Leia. And I just thought that was really beautiful too, because you have this wonderful adoptive parent relationship where you never there's never a part in the book where Leia kind of really ever thinks of herself as not being their kid you know and they've done such a good job of raising her um and loving her that she never ever doubts that and i think that that's really a beautiful um story to see because you know um we see lots of family stories but you know good adoptive family stories are just as important and so uh watching that whole family dynamic was really nice and i also really i appreciated that there were Parts of the book where Bale was stronger than his wife, and there are parts of the story where Brea was stronger than Bale, and that they really balance each other out in that. And I thought that was really beautiful too, because you know, Thomas uh, and Christy, you're both married, and you know, <laughs> you you need your spouse to balance you out um, all the time, <laughs> you know, uh, oh, yeah. and so and sometimes one
1: of you has to take the reins, and sometimes absolutely. the other one does.
2: Absolutely. Some of you sometimes one of you has to take the credit card away when you're in <laughs> buy more Porgs, and sometimes the other person has to do that. Pork mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> pajamas up next.
0: Oh, man. Um, what did you guys think about this whole, uh, the way in which Leia kind of finds herself in the rebellion? Um, did, did, I mean, I don't know if I'd ever really thought about that before in my mind, you know, like made up a story at all. So, but I'm I'm wondering if 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 this kind of matched anything you had had or did it just feel like no Claudia came up with the exact right story?
1: It felt perfect to me, and I know I I'm usually pretty picky about things and say it takes a lot to get to a, you know, 10 out of 10 for me, but um I liked it because it's not like Leia is immediately going oh, there's a rebellion and I want to help lead it. You know, it's definitely this journey of she knows that she has this responsibility that she's someday, someday going to rule Alderan. and she's completing her challenges of the mind, body, and heart. And then along the way of trying to complete her responsibilities, she's seeing these things that don't make sense and then digging in a little deeper and a little deeper and then seeing okay, maybe my parents aren't just planning elaborate parties. It's actually a meeting. Oh, that's cool. I want to be at that meeting. I want to eavesdrop on stuff, you know, and, and she becomes not just, um, interested in it because of her parents, but also really earnestly affected by it and realizing the weight of the situation and then decides that she has to be involved not that it sounds like fun, but like there's no other choice. I have a responsibility.
2: Yeah, I, I think so. I'm a little torn. I I really liked the arc, but just for for sake of making you know a bit of a being the devil's advocate here, I wanted her to to struggle with figuring out the pieces a little bit more. And I understand, you know, the the book being a YA format, they're probably with some constraint on time, you know, they had to con- compact the story a little bit. I wanted her to, to maybe have to l- be a little bit more of a Sherlock to uncover this stuff. I, I would say the flip side of that is that it exposed one of the problems of the rebellion. I, and I, and I think a l- legitimate, believable problem, which is that you've got, uh, you know, two of the head folks in Brea and Bale who are responsible for a great deal of this movement, but don't have a lot of experience, if any, creating a movement like this and so you've got brea trying to manage the accounts and and the money flow as this organization grows and she's making mistakes and you know the way they find out these mistakes is leia's uncovering them and and oh by the way toward the end sort of in a beautiful play you see that tarkin is also um on his own trail following this stuff and so uh, you know while i would have liked to see a little bit more of a struggle for, I think it still works. It it works and it makes sense from a story perspective. Um, I I also really liked it because I I feel like the motivation was right. It wasn't just that, uh, you know, I I don't know what I expected, you know, later come in and have always been brought in like, Hey, you can walk and fly a ship now. So welcome to the rebellion uh, daughter. You know, I I liked that uh, she had to find her own motivation to, to get there. and, And part of that was, being frustrated in the apprentice sentence, saying, seeing that, you know, they're being fed these kind of, you know, lip service tasks, these tasks that make them feel like they're accomplishing something, but they're really just treading water. And instead she wants to go out and do something that matters. And, and as she tries to do that, so the trip to Wobani, the trip to Noam, she doesn't know what the rebellion wants or needs. Right. And so she's trying to fill in the gaps with what 16 year old leia thinks is right and she stumbles you know there's that moment where she brings that evidence uh to mon mothma about uh yeah you, know, you know the imperial corruption and whatnot and mon Mothma's is like we don't need evidence people don't need evidence it's fear and tyranny that are controlling folks and leia has this moment where she's like well maybe i don't know all the answers here and so i i, I thought it was done in a poignant way that
0: was something that i i really You know, I'm a little bit more on on your side, Thomas, in the sense that um, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more intricacy to it, you know, and and I think the the kind of the Sherlock nature that you kind of talked about, like her having to really discover it. But on the flip side, what I did really enjoy was the ways in which once Leia realizes this is happening, she thinks she can just help by doing, you know, what she thinks is Right. Uh and acting uh unilaterally. Mm-hmm. Um and in a in like this, it really does take some serious amount of planning and understanding and um which makes sense that they would have connected with somebody like Saw Guerrera, who understands what it means to run a guerrilla warfare uh and and that kind of thing and That's a really learned. Good point. You know, learned from the Jedi. I mean, <laughs> he learned it from Anakin Skywalker and Ahsoka Tano, you know, like those were his teachers uh, and helpers in this, which is kind of funny that Anakin planted the seed of his own downfall. But that's yeah, um, you know it. It but it it was something that was really fun to watch Leia struggle and not get things right, and really kind of. I mean, she she kind of screws the pooch a couple of times and almost uncovers for the Empire the rebellion in a really bad way and i I think what it does too is it really lends to the severity of uh, and, and the the importance and and like what could happen if this goes wrong? like um you know it, 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 obviously this is the most important thing that any of them are doing, but at the same time, if they don't do it right, then the galaxy might not have a chance for you know another rebellion for who knows how long you know so they they've got to get this right and so i really liked all of that and i thought it worked really well um and it it was nice to see that obviously leia has been raised in a way to which she is going to be somebody who'll give her life no matter what so to join something like this is is a no-brainer but the understanding of actually how to do it is something like you said thomas her parents are still kind of learning, you know, Mon Mothma is still kind of learning. They're all still trying to figure out exactly how to make this work. Um, and it's not a smooth process as we, you know, saw throughout the original trilogy. We saw in rogue one, they made that abundantly clear. Uh, and then rebels has really added to as well, but this kind of here at the very beginning, we're seeing that. So I, I really love that. Um, I guess last Leia, it would be the um, question of Kier. I think is how you say his name. Uh, And I wondered what you thought of, you know, Leia having her first love uh, at this age, which obviously makes sense for somebody her age and kind of uh, how that relationship ends up playing out.
1: I think that the best part about their relationship is the mutual respect Honestly, I I like that they don't play it out just like your typical teenage romance, that it's really, at first, you don't know what's going to happen between them, and it's just that she sees that he respects her and that he lets her just be herself. I feel like Claudia says that a lot in the book. Like, everyone expects Leia to be this royal all the time that's very entitled, and you know, holier than thou kind of person and is just waiting to see what she's going to do and not prejudging her. Um, and even, you know, trying to get to know her better instead of just going through the motions like everybody else in the pathfinding class. Um, you know, he's taking her to target practice and, um, hanging out with her before they go to the apprentice legislature or after, um, and and I think that it's also really nice then that it develops into this relationship. Um, and you get to see them fall in love and um and I think possibly Leia lose her virginity. Um, but it seemed very um subtle, which was nice. Um
0: Yeah, it, it could have been there, it could have not been there. I'm yeah. not gonna pry.
1: It was like I think she said, and Leah let go
2: <laughs> of her hair.
1: Yeah, yeah. He just took down her hair.
2: It was a very intimate combing. <laughs> I don't know. I I guess I'm torn on, and this may be an unpopular opinion as well, um, I like Kier at the end. At the beginning, I felt like he was this vanilla character that uh, maybe I expected Leia to be written as, this sort of pious, you know, very loyal guy without a whole lot of dimension to him. I really liked and and the the sort of last act of the book saved him for me because i expected him to sort of show up cowboy into the the what is it the parkris system save the day you know whatever and then they I, i knew they had to find some way for him to to not be there so han could come in a few years later but uh you know i like this idea that he is leia taken to the extreme almost so leia is willing to to once she sees the risk to alderaan accept that risk and do what she can to protect her people while still advocating for you know the empire's downfall here you know doesn't have that departure right his loyalty runs so deep that he's willing to to sell out some of the top folks for the greater good really um you know that you know, even if it means the 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 you know leadership of the planet going down and some some otherwise good folks uh, losing their lives or getting prosecuted, um, that's okay if it means the survival of you know this like space version of Switzerland. Switzerland. Um, but yeah, I guess at the space, beginning I... Switzerland.
1: <laughs> it's so true. But did you guys love though that there was that brief moment when Brea and Leia are talking about here and she says, well, you know, sometimes maybe you need to find a scoundrel. (laughs) And like, like, It was in your past. Well, and like, I felt like it was a call out to Han future.
0: Yeah, that was a little on the nose, but yeah, it was was fun. It was cute. Um, No, and it did make me wonder, man, Pierre, what have you been up to in the past? Yeah. Um, Woo, uh, Apparently, Space Switzerland is, you know, hip and happening back in the day. So
2: <laughs> She had a different challenge at the heart.
0: Yeah, she did. Um, the glow wine was flowing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So that's, okay, that's something that I really thought was interesting about Kira. And I, I'm with you, Thomas, that, you know, everything about the romance is, it's like cutesy and sweet. But when you get to the end and you see what his motivation is, which is. To protect Alderaan at any cost. You know, he can't see past Alderaan. You know, he can't see past the Alderaan on his face. Uh, It's that Leia can. Leia can see that, just as she can see when she tells her father, there's no way I'm going to be protected if you're found out. She can also see that there's no way Alderaan is protected if the Empire continues down the path that it's on. Um, that there isn't any planet that is. And so, but Kier can't see that. Because right now, and this is one of the most interesting things about the book, is Alderaan, like you said, is kind of like Switzerland. It's this gorgeous, almost non-affected planet by the imperial rule. Um, People still, I mean, life seems to go on almost exactly the same as it did when the Empire uh, was non-existent.
2: Yeah, I, I I saw it and, and I appreciated the you know the the amount of detail that she gave us because I see you know I'm comparing it to to you know a state I, this is like a New York or a uh, a California this is not some outlying mid rim or outer rim planet this is a core planet with a lot of wealth and influence I mean there's a reason that uh, that folks look to bail that he was able to to kind of sweep in with Brea into this leadership role it's because this is a planet that's at the center literally and figuratively of the galaxy's politics and uh you know i i think in that sense leia her character is written well and and the romance is written well because it's it's this 16 year old romance right she gets caught up with him they get caught up with each other and they're unable to see this aspect in the character of each other, you know. I you know, I think back in my own life, and I, you know, I'm you get head over heels, or you think you are um, with somebody, mm-hmm. and and you can't see past what's right in front of you. Right. And uh, I I think there are little bits of that where Leia's getting distracted. She's trying to have you know keep herself focused on the mission. I you know if, I, I imagine if Kier were written, if we got to see some from his POV, we'd see some of the same. And then in the end, it becomes clear, you know, very tragically so. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought from that aspect, it seemed really genuine.
0: Yeah, that was something that uh, I, I agree with, you know. Um, and that's one of the things, you know, about this book I think was interesting uh, is that Lost Stars, I felt like, kind of transcended the YA in a lot of ways. Thomas, I don't know if you agree.
2: Yeah. I, I read that book and I was like, I am mean, I, quite frankly, I read this book too. And, and I'll lump Ahsoka in that category as well. And I'm like, you know, how are these written? How are these young adult novels? Uh, you know, somebody please fill me in. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think they, um, if, if anybody out there is not reading these books because they think they're cutesy or uh, th- these are like, uh, you know, the babysitters club, like, you know, little sugar pop romance novels. It's not the right. case.
0: Well, and and it's interesting because you know I, um, when it comes to this one uh, and uh, the Ahsoka novel, I do think they are a little bit more true to the YA form. But I think that actually is kind of a benefit to them. You know, uh, I do think Lost Stars kind of transcends YA this one and Ahsoka are kind of more true to the form, but there's nothing absolutely, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. And the reason is, is because of who they're writing about, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Ahsoka is a young character at that point. Leia is a YA character and therefore writing her in that way. and, And with the feelings that she would have and, and towards that audience is exactly what you should do. Um, you know, uh, Lost Stars follows characters who grow out of that era. And I think it, therefore, kind of, even just in general, the storyline seems to transcend that era and 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 type of storytelling. But again, that's not a knock against this book. It's just uh, a point to say that I, I think Claudia Gray really understands what she's doing with the character of Leia and where she is. And so... uh the way that she writes the story is... is It's pretty perfect for what I think she needs to do. And one of the things, you know, kind of... We've, we've been dancing around this idea of the Rebellion and everything. One of the things that I think Star Wars has been doing pretty well recently is kind of bringing the cost of the Rebellion to light. You know, whether it's through Rebels. Uh, we got it through Rogue One. We've had it in Twilight Company. And I feel like we're doing it here in Leia... Um, because, you know, when we see the rebellion formed, obviously, it, it's already formed in the original trilogy, and we just see people playing it out. But the idea of like, putting this together and the cost that it takes to rise up against something as big as the Empire and what you're putting on the line, you know, I thought that's one of the real highlights of this book.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think the thing that stood out to me the most was Alderaan. Uh you know, as an entity, not just Leia, but the destruction of Alderaan. I I will never watch A New Hope in that scene where Tarkin orders its destruction quite the same again. I I think this book makes it clear, like chillingly clear that uh, this is his obsession, right? So this is uh, the thread that connects them all with the rebellion and the audacity in, in his eyes, right? The audacity of a core world that should be a beacon of obedience and, you know, all these other imperial virtues to the rest of the galaxy to have them rebel and not just rebel, but be the seeds of this rebellion. I think, you know, um his anger is so perfect when it gets to a new hope Um and that order that he gives to, to destroy it, I think has a, a whole new meaning. You just see this vindictive side of it. He's not just trying to, to twist the knife in Leia. Um, this is the end of a long road for Tarkin. A long road with some frustrations to a guy that's not military militarily frustrated very easily.
1: And I want to add to that too, Thomas. I think you're right on as well as the reason I grabbed my book was the last line in the book hurt me so bad because of that point where it says my friends my world these are the things the empire can never take away the end (laughs) um when i finished reading this book last night my husband has not read it yet and he is not home right now so he can't hear me saying this um i closed it and i i didn't have physical tears on my face but i looked at him and i just went (laughs) and he was like it was sad and i was like it hurts because, like you said, you know, you'll never see the destruction of Alderaan the same way. You read that line and you go, oh, but they can and they do, Leia, and it's, I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> um, but I, I think that the thing that I always remember and that, you know, kind of in a cheesy way they bring back in um, Rogue One is saying they can't take away hope. And that's what the rebellion is based all around and how it keeps going in spite of this huge thing that happens later. Um, And, and as far as putting it all together, why it takes so many people. um, And I, I love there was, I can't remember what chapter it was, but when they were talking about, um, I think it was Pocris, the Pocris system where Leia pulls up and sees for the first time that these are not, like, typical, like, Imperial ships she's seen, it's, like, stuff that's been hobbled together. Oh, snap, and it's the Rebels. being rebuilt. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell it's the Rebels because it's all haphazard.
2: They're just, like, Oscar the garbage can, or Oscar the grouch garbage can ship. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're trying so hard.
0: Well, and that's something, you know, that... Uh, the whole idea of this rebellion in the first place, like... The, the sense that I got through the whole book was that statement of, you know, uh, the only thing for evil to prosper is for good men to do nothing. And that's exactly what the Empire is counting on. That's exactly what the Empire is trying to beat out of the galaxy is the ability to think that there is actually anything you can do. Uh, and obviously that's their goal with the Death Star, you know, um, and that, that, that it will put an end to any thought of rebellion. But I, what I loved about this is that, you know, for for somebody like Bail and Brea who come from a peaceful planet, the understanding that freedom isn't free and that we are going to have to fight, and most likely it's going to come to a war, to win our freedom back for the galaxy, like, eh, eh, and there is going to be a cost with that, and they just don't know that it's going to be very high, for at least Alderon.
2: Well, you talk about good people doing nothing. I, I the interesting thing in this book, I, and I don't know how we've avoided talking about it to this point, but old Moff Korsh Panaka, um, you know, this is a a good man who is locking step with the empire right so it's not just it's not just literally doing nothing and sitting on the sidelines it's actively participating and buying into this propaganda machine that they've built um i actually when i read i read his name and i i knew like i knew this was you know leia or not leia but padme's chief of security but i still i put the book down i pulled up wikipedia and i was like please be like his uncle or like a nephew a grandson and I was like oh no it said spoiler alert you know Leia Princess of Alderaan I was like it's the same guy Mm -hmm. and I I think that's a really poignant use of a character like that that's not some cheap connection thread that they tried to get between the Phantom Menace in the book you've got a guy who I, I think by all accounts is a good man this guy that would give his life to protect Padme that you know Inevitably, but stays loyal to the you know the emperor because he was originally the senator from Navoo. and so he's you know he's not in the empire because he's greedy or a murderer or uh, a despot. He's uh, you know a guy who's watched Palpatine rise to power and has just bought into the propaganda. And you know I think there are a lot of moth panakas out there, a lot more than than there are Darth Vaders or, or anybody else. These guys that maybe have been twisted in in you know kind of different subtle ways and uh you know they're not doing anything you know they they're perpetuating the Empire's rule so I, I thought that was a really interesting use I you know not to mention the that crazy scene with him pretty much you know figuring out who Leia is and then getting killed immediately.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, <sighs> well, yeah.
2: and... I was like, oh no how are they gonna tie up that plot hole boom <laughs> <laughs>
0: The thing I like about using his character is is the way you show how people like him get pulled into this, you know, and and then don't keep their eyes open. They don't keep that slightly cynical bent that you probably should have uh, in any political system, you know, uh, and 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 don't realize that you know the loss of all these checks and balances has an impact and i i I love i I was the same way i I, thomas i kind of put the book down and i was like wow really man dude it's not Um, possible (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs)
1: it's not true how many how many Uh, many quarters
2: could there be in the galaxy
0: oh gosh and but it but I, i think it was a really important thing to have in the book because again it's really showing us how how difficult the road is for the rebellion, the cost, because even people like that have kind of gotten sucked into the Empire's gravity well, you know, like and and they don't see that there really necessarily needs to be anything done about it. Um and, and part of that, I feel like, you know, guy like him, he's on Uh, This moon of Naboo. And I don't really feel like Naboo probably suffers from a lot of, you know, um, overtaxation or anything like that because it's his home planet. Uh, Naboo seems to be a place that's done pretty well with itself during the Imperial rule. Uh, Part of that probably, again, has to do with the Palpatine being from there. So he's not really seeing that, you know. And, And when it's out of sight and out of mind... It's easy to just kind of put it off as oh, it's some story about something that's happening somewhere else, or you know again, it's just a made up story, so yeah, seeing him was pretty crazy
2: yeah the the only other piece that I wanted to mention on that you um uh, you guys brought up saw, and we talk about the the cost of this rebellion um there's a real world connection to to saw and and you know I think a realness that i i genuinely appreciate about the development i've heard folks that have gotten tired of him being this bad guy and like well, why does he always have to do awful things can't solve be a good guy and and do good things for the the rebellion um i i value him because i think he's a foil and he he represents a real world problem that uh that the rebellion this isn't like this unified effort where people occasionally have their squabbles around the planning table and then eventually come to the right decision. This is a, uh, you know, a man who's, you know, lost himself for, for a variety of reasons. You could probably do an entire podcast on saw, but he really affects this notion of, you know, it's not just the, the, the fight that matters, but how you fight is critically important. It's not just this idea that you want to create a democracy, but the road to get there is very, very important uh, you know real world um you know u s forces deal with this all the time um There's a thing out there called the Leahy amendment uh that uh prevents us from funding um, foreign military forces, either you know state organized or otherwise. That commit atrocities, that commit war crimes, right? It's a it's a huge deal. Afghanistan, Iraq, and and everywhere else we're engaged, uh, because you know how we fight is is very very important. Um, if you get to democracy or some semblance of it on the backs of a lot of uh, dead innocent folks, it doesn't really mean much. And I think your saw is the vehicle that helps to show that that this is a there are teeth to this conflict and folks like Mon Mothma bail Breha, they, they realize this. And to a certain extent, especially at this early point in the story and in, in the rebellions timeline, somebody like saw is necessary, Matt, you made a great point about his experience. they, they need his, uh, his point of view, his leverage, but at a certain point it becomes too much. And so I, I really, I was intrigued when they talked about it in rogue one, and I'm glad that they've expanded on it.
1: And I agree with what you said to Thomas, basically that concept of you don't want to become who you're fighting against in the way that you fight. And I like that I felt like they kind of explored that in this book, too, that I really felt like I, I swear at some point in the book, Claudia even had Leia say some phrase like that. We don't want to become like the Empire in the way that we deal with this.
0: Well, that's something that's so interesting, too, because um, when you think about it, uh, and last point that I'll just touch on Saul, because I do think it's a really interesting one. Saul has been in the trenches and uh, he's a lot like Cassie and he's been in this fight since he was very young, Uh, not six years old, but quite young. And in a lot of ways, I feel like he is what Harvey uh, Dent says uh, in The Dark Knight, you know. you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And that's who Saul is. You know he can't see it because anger and bitterness and a lifetime of fighting have kind of beaten any for better the lack of the term humanity out of him. Um, and all he can see is brutal victory. Uh, And you're absolutely right, you know, this book really shows the way in which um, the Rebellion is trying to be careful, because they know if they have to go to war, they do have to do this right, and uh, it's going to have to be different, and I think that, you know, when we talk about this idea of, like, um, the cost and really expanding the saga, I think this book was one thing that I absolutely love, and you guys already mentioned it, but that it directly impacts now the way that we watch A New Hope and when Alderon explodes because now I actually know what Alderon is and what it stood for and the people that live there, the beauty of it. Um, you know, I even think uh, the the very slight scene we get at the end of episode three kind of helped when you saw the beauty of that world when you went there and you're like, this literally just looks like everybody lives in the Swiss Alps. Um mm-hmm. You know, uh, and space now space Switzerland, space Switzerland, <laughs> yeah. And now you you've gotten a, an opportunity to spend time with its people, and you understand it, it its specialness in the galaxy. And and then, you know, this is the best thing that tie in fiction can do, which is to alter for the better the way that you view one of the films or the TV show that's based off of. And Claudia nailed that, and I think. It was so important to tell this story just because it gives you the, we don't really have the face with the name because we don't have the pictures, but you know what I'm saying? Like Alderaan has a face now and it's not just Leia, it's her family. It's all these people that we met there. And it's the beauty of this place that we got to experience through Leia's eyes that we lost. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. Well, We're getting close to wrapping up, but one of the things that this book did that I was kind of shocked, uh, that they're actually Last Jedi Connections, which I was not really expecting. One of the interesting things is we go to Crait uh, and that there's a rebel base there. And I thought, wow, okay, this is interesting where we're setting people up who read this book to then be comfortable when that planet shows up. In The Last Jedi. And I was just kind of shocked because I was not expecting that planet to show up.
1: I wasn't either. When I read Crate and heard um, Red Dust, I went, wait a minute, <laughs> I've seen that recently.
2: So it, it's funny because I, I rewind back to Celebration in April, and there was a um, panel that Pablo was on about some of the informational books like the cross sections, visual guides. And he just casually dropped this line, you know, if you had read every page of the Rogue One visual guide, there was a reference, you would have seen a reference to Crate in there. And I was like, some kid, like, blurted out in the back, like, I already saw that. And I was like, don't. And so I went back and and flipped through and there's like a little reference in a rebel, a a blurb about one of the rebel pilots that Crate was this rebel base. And I was like, hmm. Well, that's got me curious. So I wonder if we'll ever see it. And I was, um, I don't know what I was thinking. I I guess I had this notion that it was like way older or something than, uh, would have fit the timeline in this book, but I was excited. I, you know, I would have liked to see a little bit more of the operations going on there. I understand that wouldn't have fit the story really like Leia just hanging out on this planet. She's not supposed to be on, but, um, I want a story about the Shrikes, like this rebel team that, that goes out and, and base hunts basically. But uh, I, I think we were purposely dangled a little piece of meat there. And then they, you know, they wrapped that part of the story up pretty quickly.
0: It's funny because I obviously was not expecting it to be there at all. And so what I enjoyed was the fact that it was there and it was just one of those things where it kind of gives you a little taste uh, and the fact that this is a been a rebel hotspot before, you know, and, I, and so now we kind of, when it comes up and we're there in the Last Jedi, it's gonna make just maybe a little bit more sense and you're like, oh, okay, and that's for all of us who are lucky enough to have picked up Leia and read it and and had that experience. So I think that's fantastic. The last big piece that has a lot to do with what we're gonna get. Uh in the Last Jedi is Amelyn Haldo. I wanted to ask you guys what we thought of this character who seems a lot like Luna Lovegood made her way to Star Wars.
1: She's a little eccentric. uh I think when we were first introduced to her, she's said to have acid green hair <laughs> um but i if there's something that you love about her oddness that it's like she's the only one that's honest. Uh, above all, all the time, um, when everybody else is trying to save face at, or you know pretend to be someone that they're not, you know, um, I guess you would say, Chasselon is the other guy, um, who's from Coruscant and has this you know royal demeanor about him, even though he's not technically. Yeah, he royal. just
0: likes being a jerk.
1: <laughs> yeah, rude. So, yeah. um, but yeah, Amelien, um, she wears her heart on her sleeve. And, um, I love that there are moments where Leia thinks to herself, God, I'm learning how to speak hold o <laughs> <laughs> That, you know, Ameline comes up with these funny metaphors that only make sense to herself and then Leia has to say, so what you mean is, and she goes, yeah, that's what I said.
2: <laughs> I-, I love that she's a, f- sort of a, uh, an a-, a strength where Leia is a weakness in some places. You know, she's figuring some of these things out toward the end of the book, she uses this, uh, you know, this otherwise kind of quirky interest of hers in astrology to figure out, you know, the, the Paukris connection and whatnot. And, and, uh, that's something that, that Leia hadn't quite worked out for herself. And, you know, Holdo is kind of like, ah, you know, I just know this stuff. I, of course I, like, I figured this out, but, um, I hope we see more of that in The Last Jedi, where she's not necessarily this person that's butting heads with Leia, but somebody that's got a unique set of talents that, you know, Leia needs.
1: Well, and like she can teach Leia things like even just how to have fun, or, you know, when she's on the scarves teaching Leia this thing that's actually. You know, intricate to their culture about how to meditate, basically, and um, let things go and see, um, I guess, the deeper issues. Um, And Leia tried it out and learned something new. And I I look forward to hopefully seeing that on screen.
0: Yeah, this was something that, uh, you know, I thought was was kind of fascinating. Uh, about the character because she really is a very different type of character than we have seen in Star Wars before, I feel like. I oh, don't yeah. know if we've ever seen somebody this kind of, like, so comfortable in their own skin that they don't care how they come off to anybody else, and it was kind of nice. Again, I, I, the the closest I can come to it, and it's not derogatory whatsoever because I love Luna uh, in the Harry Potter series. And I think she does kind of the same thing for that series as well. That's who she comes off as. And I'm really going to be so interested to see how she grows up. And, well, and what and in she a world is where, like.
1: Where everybody cares so much about appearances. And you know mm-hmm. I mean they say over and over again with Leia. That what she wears is so important to every situation. And that's why she has 2V and everything. And, you know, Amalyn goes, I want to be the opposite of everything my planet embodies. And that's why I made this dress with all the bells on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it really is. She's just such a fun kind of fantastic character. And and so, obviously, we've seen the picture of Laura Dern as Amelin as, you know, taken by um, the beautiful Annie Leibovitz, you know, taking those photos, just incredible photos. So, um But she has the lavender hair and the beautiful kind of lavender dress, Uh, just gorgeous look. And so I'm just I'm wondering what the characterization is going to be like. Is she going to still kind of be in her own little world or not? But because the one thing about this is that she's very connected to what's happening She's just kind of on a slightly different plane. I don't know if I'm describing it right. But, you know, like, she understands what's wrong with the the universe here. She understands what the Empire needs to be taken on. She's ready to do that, you know. I think that's what's so phenomenal about her. Um, she just has a slightly different perspective, you know. Um, and I think that that's kind of wonderful, and I'm interested to watch her and Leia work together and, and how they'll work together in The Last Jedi. So, um, honestly, I didn't think of that it would happen because, you know, obviously the Phasma book has a direct connection to that Last Jedi time period. But this one just, I felt like, set me up for excitement for The Last Jedi in very different ways, but did it nonetheless. And I just think that's really interesting, so... I guess the last question I have for you guys is what would you rate Leia princess of Alderaan?
2: I think if I were rating it on a, uh, a four star scale and, and I will caveat this by saying it, I'm putting this as this, I'd I'd put this as the same scale that I would rate the adult books as well. Um, I'd give it a three and a half, quite honestly. I, you know, and I realized this is my first time on the show. So that means literally nothing to the folks listening, but, Um, I haven't enjoyed, you know, I haven't thoroughly enjoyed all the Star Wars books. I thoroughly enjoyed this one. The final act was was really poignant. Um, Ranking them, I'd probably put this right behind Lost Stars, a very, very close second among the YA books group. Um, And, you know, I I think they're all outstanding, but uh, this one felt really meaningful. Um, And I'd probably rank it right in my top five. And that's a tough, now that we have, what? trying to count the books some 15 we're we we're coming up on 20 different uh YA and adult books um so I, I hope that speaks for the quality of this book it, it really was fantastic
1: and I, although I don't have any other Star Wars books to compare this book to <laughs> I I do want to be honest in assessing how good of a book in general I think that this was and you know what her writing and storytelling did for me and I um don't want to be redundant, but I kind of feel the same rating you do, Thomas, about a, like a three and a half out of four. Or if I expanded it, usually I do out of ten. I guess it would be an eight out of ten, um, because I felt here and there, um, there were things that, like you were saying, maybe were a little too easy for Leia. Um, maybe she could have had a little bit more digging to do before she got to the conclusions or t- to the state in the rebellion that she did. Um, And I felt like it was kind of a letdown that even though we already knew Kier was so patriotic that he was ultimately going to expose the rebellion to the empire. That just really hurt me. And I didn't want him to be that way. Um, I was hoping that, you know, Leia had convinced him to be on their side and he was going to join the rebellion. But um, so that those kind of took away from it for me. I took a little brownie points off of that. But overall, I I was really impressed. I think it was an excellent first Star Wars book to start with. And um, it felt that the storytelling really gave me a lot of perspective. and, And like you said, Matt forever changed how I look at Leia and at the loss of Alderaan overall. Uh, you know,
0: I think that's one of the things that this this book it, it just does really well um, is the way that it connects and what it added to my viewing now of a new hope. I, I think is really fantastic. I do think that having read all of Claudia Gray's books now uh, in the new canon, um, this one is not quite at the same level. Uh, I think as Lost Doors or Bloodline. And and those are like those would I, I would consider more like four point five or like four point seven five. You know, we're getting real close to like five out of five. Um, I think this is is I think this is probably I I'm comfortable with giving this four out of five stars. Uh four out of five lost stars. And I I do. I I think it's a good book. I, I really enjoyed it. I liked the storyline. Um it. Again, it, it, it doesn't quite have that same exact impact, but there's just something about what she does with Alderaan that just like keeps, every time I think about this book, it, it really puts it up there for me. And so, yeah, I just, um, I don't know, I just really enjoyed this one. I'm really glad we got an opportunity to sit down and just really talk it through. And I, I think this is one of those, like, if you're, kind of looking for something uh waiting for the last jedi this is definitely one you know we've talked about phasma i think this is a, this is they chose wisely uh books that they wanted to use on this journey to the last jedi so i'm really excited and um i'm hoping you know the last jedi will be a a great game busters of a movie uh so I wonder if, Say thank you to our associate producers, Ken Tripp and and Davis Grayson, who have been supporting us through Patreon for a really long time. And uh, they help make sure that the show keeps coming to you each and every week. You know, um, this is a huge network and we have so much going on. And and there's absolutely no way that we, the hosts, can make sure that that all keeps coming to you without your help. Uh, And so go to Patreon.com slash Trek FM and just see how you can be part of the team. We have some great perks we love to give to you for your support. But honestly, every little bit helps. Uh, and so, again, go to Patreon.com slash TrekFM and see how you can help us each and every month. Uh, Christy, it's so good to have you back here. Uh, and um, I guess a little spoiler for everybody. You'll be back next week as we talk some more Bond. So I uh, can't wait for that. Uh, but... Before we go, um, if anybody wants to talk to you about Star Wars books or what they've really liked or anything, where can they find you online?
1: Yeah, if anyone would like to give me a recommendation on my next book, I think Matt has already told me I need to read Bloodline next or uh, Lost Stars. So vote and tell me which one should be next. Um, I am on Twitter and Instagram mostly at morechristy, M-O-R-R-C-H-R-I-S-T-Y. And I also write for fangirlnextdoor.com for my friend Teresa's site um and then of course I'm on the 602 club regularly discussing bond films as Matt said with him and John Champion so feel free to talk to me about bond
0: and Thomas it's been so good to have you here on the show um can't believe it's taken this long uh for us to get you on but of course you know you're welcome back anytime and if anybody would like to talk to you about star wars the politics the military of star wars or just anything else uh where can they find you man
2: yeah this has been a blast by the way we could not be recording at all this could have all been an elaborate scheme and i would have still had a blast talking about this book with you guys um you guys can connect with me on twitter and uh send me all of your star wars memes prequel or otherwise um you can find me at Thomas L. Harper, T-H-O-M-A-S-L as in Larry Harper, H-A-R-P-E-R. And I'm on Instagram at at TMOSS, T-M-O-S-S.
0: You can find me on Twitter at MattRushing02, and I'm on Instagram under the same name. Uh, I'm also here in the network uh, doing The Orb with Chris Jones, talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, I am over on the Nerd Party Network. I have a couple of shows. One is Dress Negotiations, talking all about Star Wars with my good friend John Mills. Um, it's, uh, man, we just talk anything and any, everything that comes into our heads about Star Wars, so I hope you'll check it out. Um, I'm also doing Owlposts with Dre Kaufman as we walk through every single chapter of Harry Potter, one chapter at a time. And then last but not least... Uh, doing a show with my good friend Courtney and we are talking all about films through the lens of faith and that show is called Cinema Stories Uh, you can find all of those on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and I want to thank you so much for joining us and may the force be with you